You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the ZabeCast, well, 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 a lot has transpired since we last talked, and now the Patriots own the two biggest headlines on a Sunday. What things did Adam Silver say on Friday that made me want to go full drunk Joe Namath on him? All that, plus when it comes to the Coronas, New Zealand is basically fucked. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Monday, June 29, 2020, thank you for joining me, and thank you for giving me the day off on Friday of last week. I I definitely needed it, and I took full advantage. We had a great week in Wisconsin, we meaning me and my 97.3 The Game family. Thank you to Cluster GM Colleen Valcoon for bringing me in, as well as PD Tim Scott for running me around and everyone else. We had a great round with Mike Darrow, me and get her on Thursday. Uh, Mike shot his best round ever, an 81, which for a 17 handicap is probably impossible, but I witnessed it with my own eyes. And I was happy to see it because Mike had me at his club, uh, the great Milwaukee Country Club on last year, and he played very poorly. And it was sort of unfun to go. I mean, it's never fun. You're like, you're struggling. I know you're struggling and it sucks. And I, I know you're probably better than this, but yeah, well, sorry. Keep trying. He played great, and uh, that was just a great round. Thank you to Jim Lombardo as well, uh, the head pro out there who uh, hosted us and uh, got got us with the best caddies we could possibly get. Two of the four Spice Girls, as we called them last year. These are four college-age gals. I think I've tweeted a picture of them uh, before. Just, I mean, fun as hell. They know golf. They're They're all athletes and golfers, and they're 22, and they're just, fun stupid it's just they're a great group to have we had two of the spice girls we called them the spice girls because we had four girl caddies last year only two of them were there on this particular day and we also got a third guy who had played in the u.s amateur so pretty pretty good in terms of local knowledge i think that helped a little bit as well had a great steak dinner with gina della from pella at the five o'clock club also known as corpers formerly known as Corpers in Milwaukee, one of the great steakhouses in America. That was on Friday. And I'm just, I'm very thankful on a serious note to have sponsors of the show like Gina and Mike that believe in me and stay with me during tough times like this. It means everything. And, uh, and I think they do great work. I think they've got great products that are worthy of your money. 
to say the least. Also, a great visit to our new home away from home during Packer season at WNFL in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The great Midwest Communications, a little radio empire that could, founded by Duke Wright with one radio station like 50 years ago. It's now a little mini empire up there in the upper Midwest, 75 stations strong, and I'm not kidding when I say the nicest radio building I've ever been in. It is just beautifully designed. It's clean. They don't have junk lying around all the, all over the place. They don't let DJs put stickers on doors and stuff like that. I mean, it's a nice place. We look forward to doing a lot of shows from there Mondays after Packer games. And yeah, I ate at a restaurant. Glorious. Hadn't done that in months. I had beers on a patio and listened to live music with my man Mikey O'Neill. Glorious. I had Culver's Butter Burgers. I had l- fresh Leinenkugels from the tap with a lemon, uh, the summer shandy with the lemon wedge in it. Glorious. And I went to Quick Trip a few times for a 32-ounce Diet Coke and donuts. I know, I know. I'm back on the grind Monday. But let's start with the Patriots. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The Patriots on Sunday have signed Cam Newton. One-year agreement, incentive-laden deal. League sources tell Mort Report and Adam Schefter. Numbers apparently as much as $7.5 million. And now we'll see if Newton races in and takes that job away from Jared Stidham. You'd have to believe, like, why wouldn't he? You'd also have to wonder, why did it take so long? I would imagine the Patriots had this offer out there dangling for a while, saying, look, we'd like to see if your shoulder is healthy. We want to see what you still got. We have an opening since, you know, Tom Brady sort of left. We sort of pushed him out. I'm imagining the Patriots had that offer out there, but they didn't want to up it to more than a year, didn't want to up the dollars. And they said, Belichick said, well, yeah. No, man, that's, that's that's the offer. So, yeah, if you want it, have it. Otherwise, it's fine. So now that we are one month away, basically, from camp's opening, I think Cam is like, all right, I need to pick a spot. And so there it is, one year, $7.5 million thereabouts, and the race is on to see if he can become the new starter for the New England Patriots. Imagine if Cam is healthy and the Patriots are still the Patriots and Belichick still Belichick and they win 13 games again this year, or 12 games. I mean, show goes on. That would be a great story. I would be so all about that. I am slightly Cam positive now. Cam, I know that he has had his down moments. The body language, the towel over the head, the fact he didn't die for a loose football in the freaking Super Bowl – the way he acted after he lost the game and a bunch of other stuff has made me roll my eyes and kind of go, whatever. But that said, exciting player and has a chance to resurrect his career. On the downside, the NFL has handed down the penalties for the Patriots video crew and the shenanigans in the Bengals-Browns game. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to the punishment phase And I'd say kaboom, 
pretty good penalties that the NFL has handed down. $1.1 million in club fines, loss of a 2021 third-round pick, and the Patriots television crew will not be allowed to shoot any games during the 2020 season. Senior club officials will have required training on league operation and game policies. In addition, David Mondillo, who was suspended by the team at the time of the NFL investigation, is banned from NFL facilities until further notice. Prior to the league's discipline, Mondillo was terminated by the Patriots. So, you're terminated. Good. I think those are appropriate penalties. Some might say too light, given the fact that, hey, they're still cheating. Hammer them. I think it's pretty good, all told. And the money's the money, whatever. Third round pick is not nothing, and they fired the the staff. So there you go on that. Two big, juicy sports talk radio headlines. Thank you, God, to get into. As I believe now, as we head towards July, the tide has finally turned. And here's something that absolutely made me pump my fist on Friday night. It was seeing the quotes from Adam Silver in his Friday night address, or Friday afternoon, I believe it is, in which he said, here's the schedule. The NBA put out their schedule, put out you know who's going to play who in the restart, and Adam Silver made himself available. Interesting they do it on a Friday, almost like a news dump. I'm not sure why they would do it then, but okay, whatever. So I'm, I'm, I'm checking my timeline, and I see the following pull quotes from a couple of different reporters. Howard Beck pulled this one. Silver says, we're coming back because sports matter in our society. They bring people together when they need it the most. Yes! And I know they're also coming back for the money. We're here for the money. I I get it. I'm here for the money. You're here or wherever you are for the money. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Silver's right. Sports do matter. I've been screaming this during the entire pandemic when so many woke and sensitive and they think they're smarter than just a dumb sports writer have been writing these think pieces. We don't need sports right now. Fuck off. Of course we need sports. Silver's right. Sports matter in our society. They are like the oil that keeps the gears from grinding each other to the bone. They give us something to talk about that is not divisive, other than LeBron versus MJ. Or who's the MVP? Just superficially divisive, not deep down. Amen to that quote. We're coming back because sports matter in our society. They bring people together when they need it the most. Amen. Huzzah, huzzah. And then this one. Pull quote taken from Tim Bontemps, covers the NBA. Silver, quote, my ultimate conclusion is we can't outrun the virus and we're going to be living with this for the foreseeable future. Yes! I want to kiss kiss Adam Silver. I want to kiss you. Yeah! Again, I read both of those and I said, God bless you, Adam Silver. Welcome home. Welcome home. Not that he was ever necessarily gone, but you have come home and you have landed squarely on the side of team reality. 
on both fronts. Sports do matter. We should never apologize for that. We should trumpet the fact that sports matter. In addition to sports employing lots and lots of people that make a living, not just millionaire athletes and billionaire owners, but regular people. Sports matter and it's jobs and it's economic activity and it's something that brings us together. Amen to that. And then we can't outrun the virus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny because on the mask front, you know, there's a lot of mask haranguing going on right now. In Wisconsin, it's not really mandatory anywhere. I didn't put it on once I landed. Um, There are still... 30% of people that roll into stores with it, and that's fine. But in other parts of the country, it's way more, how dare you, don't you? How hard is it to wear a mask? And if you read social media, there's a lot of mask haranguing going on there. No scientific proof that it really works. Anecdotal theorizing and, well, how can it not help sort of thoughts, but no hard Science. In fact, some of the harder science has shown that, yeah, no, unless it's a full N95 that is tightly fit and properly fit and disposed of after a certain period of time, not effective at all. But whatever. And there's so many exceptions as well. You know, you had to wear, had to wear one on the uh, flight, and that was fine. But they said you could take it off when you were eating because they did roll by with a, a drink and some, you know, a bag of chips. And I thought, so I guess the virus is going to come out when I'm eating. Or maybe it'll be polite and it'll stay in. And then, I know, it's better to not spew as much viral load into the air directly in big forceful plumes. But, you know, that viral load, I'm imagining, some of it gets deflected in your mask, but then it just seeps out, right? Doesn't it seep out around the edges? Wouldn't it even... Wouldn't the virus permeate through just a regular sort of surgical mask that was only meant to keep a doctor's juji fruit gum from falling out of his mouth and into an open cavity while he's doing doing a surgery here? Wouldn't it? So isn't the viral load on an airplane the same whether the masks are on or off? Just asking. Don't know. Just trying to work through it. But when Silver says we can't outrun the virus, I say amen to that. And when people are big on masks, you know, I asked my buddy and colleague Scott Lynn about the mask thing. I forget how it came up, and I think I said, "So, how long are you gonna how long are you gonna keep wearing it?" He said, "Until the experts say that it's okay to not do it anymore." And I said, "Which experts?" And he was kind of like, ah, but, and really what Scott meant to say, because he's a great person. I mean, he's a better person than me. And he wants to do good by other people. He wants to be considerate. So he has no problem following the directions from the government scientists and from the politicians. But that's really what the truth is. I'll do it until the politicians and their hand-picked experts say to keep wearing a mask. Because there are other experts, a lot of other experts out there who go, nah. This is a waste of time. Either way, I say to people that are big on masks, I say, well, so you're going to wear it for another 18 months, right? Everywhere you go, every store you go in, all the time. Well, no, no, I don't think that, I mean, not necessarily. And I go, but you do know 
absent a vaccine, it's going to be 18 months. The virus will still be out there. It'll bubble up. If you're really of the belief, I could be asymptomatic and I could kill grandma if I don't wear a mask. Be prepared for 18 months of it. That's all. And some people will say, I am. I'll do it. It's fine. But I love the answer from Silver, and I love the attitude. I love the stance I'm now seeing. I, I think I even saw a stray headline. Didn't plug into it, punch into it deeper. But I think uh, baseball said that even if an entire team drops out this year, it wouldn't cancel the season. And I'm like, yes. I like that thinking as well. The show goes on. On a somewhat negative note with the Rona, or the Coronas, as Jim Lombardo jokingly called it when we were out at Aaron Hills. His brother, I guess, gave him that. that He mispronounced it either on purpose or the Coronas. Rudy Gobert still has no taste. Or excuse me, his sense of smell has not fully returned just yet. I don't know how bad that is. I, he says taste, he can still, taste has come back. But smell, not so much. Someone say, good, fuck him. He was the one that was touching microphones. Like, ha ha, this is all just a big joke. And ooh, I'm spreading the coronavirus. I'd like for his taste or his smell to come back. I thought smell and taste were also closely intertwined. I have no idea. On the golf front, Dustin Johnson wins another event. He has won on tour all 13 years. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He has been on tour. There was one year, I believe a full year, he was off the tour for uh, personal reasons. Oh, come on with the cocaine allergy. I'm just sniffling. It's all little summer uh, allergies, maybe. But yeah, Dustin Johnson is a badass Frontline PGA Tour star. Should have more than one major. That may come in time. There have been a few players that have ducked out on the PGA Tour due to positive tests. A couple of other players have WD'd out of an abundance of caution because their caddy tested positive, like Brooks Kepka's caddy tested positive. His brother, Monday qualified, Chase Kepka, and he's like, ah, crap, I'm going to withdraw just out of an abundance of caution. Even though it's hard to Monday qualify, there's going to be a big deal for Kepka's brother who doesn't have tour status. And then there's the case of Cameron Champ. Cameron Champ tested positive, but then took three tests over the next 72 hours. So that's a test a day, right? 24, 48, 72. 
Good job, dummy. Guess what? He went positive, negative, negative, negative. So what does that mean? Champ said, I'd like to thank my team, all the medical advisors, everyone, the travelers, as well as the players, blah, 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 blah. False positive, anyone? Quite possibly. Maybe they caught the positive at the very tail end of his infection. And then the next three were negative, negative, negative. That's another thing with all this testing and with the case counts rising as they are, but the death counts falling, which is incredible. Sunday coronavirus death total, 273 reported. We know that Sundays are low because of, uh, well, even though best line I heard during the pandemic, the virus doesn't take any days off, but bureaucrats do. So Sunday reporting is typically very low, but the 273 reported deaths was the lowest Sunday since March 25th, and it was down 10% from the previous Sunday. So the deaths are not matching this new rise in cases. And some will say, but deaths lag. And I will say, of course, they do, but it does, it, we're not seeing any indication of an uptick. And the hospital capacity is mostly flat, might be up a little bit, but we don't even know if it's up because of coronavirus patients. It might just be up because more people are coming in for other ailments and or elective surgeries that land them in the ICU. So it's a pretty good trend in terms of deaths, but the cases are definitely going up. And then you see a story like Cameron Champ and you go, hmm, could that have been a false positive? Don't know. I saw this headline on the uh, Us Weekly tabloid at the airport. Harry's private pain. What have I done? (laughs) There's Prince Harry. There's the Queen Mum in the background. And there's Meghan Markle. (laughs) Guilt-ridden by Queen and Charles' health crisis. Harry and Meghan flee Canada for L.A., Panicked over a million-dollar security bill to protect themselves. Yeah. I wonder if at some point Prince Harry is like, what the fuck have I done? I've I've kicked myself out of the royal family? Because why? Because we were having a bad month with the paparazzi? Because Meghan was bitching up a storm and like any husband in an early marriage, you're trying to make sacrifices and compromises. And if she says, I hate this, I want out. I think I can become a big actress in Hollywood. Cause I was once on, you know, a TV show and I was on that show with the suitcases and Howie Mandel. I could be a big star. Let's go to Hollywood. Let's go to America. Let's enough of this Royal family. We'll make it on our own. And Prince Harry's like, Oh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell the queen mom, mom, and now things have gone to shit, and he's like, what have I done? Oh, it's good tabloid fodder, though. That is for sure. So I went to the Apple store with my pops on Sunday. My dad has been on the warpath for a month now about how, hey, Stephen, this this damn iPhone 11 Pro, it's, I, you know, I don't know. It doesn't have a button, and I don't know how to do all these gestures and everything. My dad is at the point he loves having the technology of a phone because my dad uh, 
you know, had worked in computers his whole life for the Department of Agriculture. So he understands computers. Oh yeah. Side note about my dad and computers. He has, he has this laptop. Oh, circa 1999. It's one of the laptops in which, ready? The screen is square. So if you fold it down, the laptop is square. You fold it up, the screen is square because that's the way they were once upon a time, like 1999. It's an old relic, but my dad swears by it, loves it. Apparently, and I saw this on the uh, kitchen table when I was over there on Sunday, he has a second one, identical. My mom was like, yeah, he found it on some uh, some Eastern Block website for $28. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, Dad, why do you need two of these? Oh, you know, I need the parts. I want to make sure I get a hard drive and you know, I can swap it over. And I'm running a different uh, Microsoft Windows system on it because these are like, okay, Dad, whatever. You're retired. Have fun. Then I found out my dad has two more of the very same decrepit square laptop computers. Exact same make and model upstairs in his upstairs office. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. So my dad was bitching about his phone. I understand because I hated no button. And I went back to the 8 and grabbed an iPhone 8, the last phone with a button, until now. Because Apple's come out with the iPhone SE version 2 because they had one before. My dad actually had the original iPhone SE, traded it in this past December before he went to Arizona for the winter for the new iPhone phone 11 pro he doesn't need the pro it's got the three cameras and he you know what he takes pictures of i looked in his camera roll 80 percent of his photos in his camera roll are of the scale in his bathroom just taking a record of his weight and his weight is remarkably consistent and he's he's nice he's not overweight for his age which is great 168.2 165.7 166.4 Photo, 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 photo. And then a couple random photos that mostly us kids and grandkids have sent him. But whatever. So he didn't need the 11, didn't like the fact he didn't have a button, has been bitching about it, says the size is too big as well, wants something smaller. And I said, Dad, you're in luck. They rolled out a new you know, budget-conscious iPhone, the iPhone SE version 2, with a button, doesn't have all the cameras, which you don't need, and it, uh, it's small. Fit right in your front pocket. My dad's a front pocket guy. Likes it right there. Right in there with his shopping list and his pens and his glasses. I mean, my dad needs fortified front pockets on his shirts. So he'd been bitching, like, I got to go get this. Well, Apple stores have been closed. The mall's been closed. And he kind of, I thought he was going to need some help in this exchange. So as soon as I land, uh, we're driving back from the airport because he picked me up from National, which was great. Thank you, Dad. And... I said, so have you gotten that new phone yet? He goes, I don't know if they're open now. And I go, all right, well, let's check. And I just grab my phone. I go, hey, Siri, is the Apple Store in Tyson's open? But yes, the Apple Store, Tyson's Corner Galleria Mall, Tyson's Corner Mall will open from, will be open today from noon to six. Okay, great. I said, dad, let's just go. Let's go right now. Oh, it could be a big line. So we end up going. There was a bit of a line. They were letting only a few people in at a time. Everyone's standing around with masks on. They checked our temperature twice. But we waited about a half an hour and we got in. And we found out that my dad's iPhone 11 Pro has no, zero trade-in value. Why? It's too new. 
It won't have value, according to the guy at the Apple Store, till September when they start rolling out the next generation of phones. Okay. He said you could sell it privately, but you're probably going to get about 300 bucks for it. At that point, I said, Dad, I'll split it down the middle. I'll give you 400 for it. You get it now. I want the phone because I realized, and I know what you're going to say. Oh, look at you, Zabe. You mocking your dad for his phone addiction, and you're getting now this. Yes, I'm going to the new iPhone Pro because the cameras on the iPhone Pro are so good. The stabilization is crazy. And using Gitter's iPhone 11 Pro Max while playing golf and taking stupid shots, I'm like, damn, this look at this footage. Looks like it's on a gimbal. It's really kind of embarrassing. How And by embarrassing, I just mean, I don't know why I have a GoPro now. Because the camera on the iPhone Pro is so good. Has so many options. Three lenses, got the super wide, super, you know, the slow-mo. The, the, the computer in the iPhone corrects for shakiness so quickly because of its powerful chip that it's literally like having a gimbal. It's it's amazing. So I said, I got I to gotta step up. I'm going to learn to live without the button. And so now I got my dad's cheaper. I got my dad's iPhone Pro. He got into the SE. He's happy. I got it all set up. We set it up at his house over a sandwich. My mom was not really enthused because she's pretty convinced he's going to start hating the new phone soon. And I said, but mom, that's just the curse of being a Zabin man. You're going to always want something different from what you had. Just roll with it. It's not going to bankrupt you. You guys aren't eating dog food as retirees. You're good. I'll take care of you. But I now have an iPhone 11 Pro for my dad, 400 bucks. I haven't crawled into it yet officially with my actual phone because it's 64 gigs, the lowest possible amount. And I'm rolling around now with the iPhone 8 at 256. So exit question on this story. About damn time. Exit question. Should I try to roll with just 64 gigs? Now the benefit is I should be offloading video that's important off my phone on a regular basis to hard drives and into my Final Cut Pro libraries. I shouldn't, I don't need that much sitting on my phone. On the other hand, can never have too much storage, right? On the other hand, I'm going to have to really whittle down what I've got on my current iPhone 8. I don't know. Phone looks glorious though, and it's basically a brand new one. And I pretty much ripped my dad off 400 bucks for it. Paid over a thousand back in December. But he's happy, though. I was very patient with him. I said, let's go get this done. I literally didn't want to hear my dad bitching about it for another day. So I said, let's go get it done today. I got nothing to do. I just landed back from Milwaukee. Sunday's wide open. Boom. And done. All right, let's end on this today. (laughs) New Zealand is an interesting case when it comes to coronavirus. Wall Street Journal had a piece on Friday in which they say that neither the United States nor New Zealand, really had a plan for the pandemic. They kind of stumbled into it. I would argue almost every country didn't have a plan for it, except for maybe South Korea and maybe Japan, but otherwise, no. But the differences in what the U.S. is doing and New Zealand is doing is remarkable. Here's what the Post writes. They write that New Zealand 
is essentially going for a elimination strategy. And they can do this because they're wealthy and they're isolated. They say that very few travelers hopscotch through New Zealand on their way elsewhere around the globe. So they didn't see many cases till very late in the game, relatively speaking. And at first, according to this story, New Zealand said, okay, let's just go with a flatten the curve policy where we're going to keep our hospitals from being overwhelmed, but we're going to have the virus, we're going to deal with it. That changed, though. That changed when the World Health Organization returned from China with an unprecedented and shimmering tale of a flu-like disease having been contained and eliminated, writes the journal. The Arden government, that would be Minister Jacinda Arden, Prime Minister, woman. The Arden government promptly changed from a flatten the curve strategy to an elimination strategy, yet now finds itself on the wrong side of the latest, newest WHO advice, WHO, WHO, which has taken to stressing Sweden as a model for living with the virus and letting it spread and developing some herd immunity rather than trying to outright defeat it. Whoops. They listened to the WHO, who came back from China going, China killed it, man. You can do it. You're New Zealand. Go for it. And New Zealand is kind of free riding and freeloading off of the vaccine efforts of the rest of the world, which, look, if it arrives relatively quickly, this could pay off. But what if it doesn't? The journal says that if it doesn't, New Zealand, which relies heavily on tourism and importing students and other experts to come there and live for an extended period of time, they're not going to like two or three years of being shut off. That New Zealand essentially now has herd vulnerability instead of the opposite. Anyway, we'll learn more about this as we go along, and we will see. But right now, it looks like New Zealand might, in fact, be fucked. All right, a lot more sports stories bubbling up now. We'll get more into MLB's return as well as the NBA schedule. Joe Bugle died on Sunday, legendary Redskins assistant coach and uh, and a beloved member of the Redskins family, died at 80. I'll get Andy on tomorrow. We'll t- talk about Bugues and what he meant to Redskins fans and, and how he built the Hogs, one of the most impressive offensive lines in NFL history. But no time today to do that. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back in my live as listeners. I thank you for that. Remember, uh, this is it for uh, Libsyn. Two more days, I believe, and then we are out. Head on over to Red Circle and sign up there for the Friday podcast. And that way you get all of me all the time, and I very much appreciate your support. Quality content, always worth paying a fair price for. And uh, rate and review if you don't subscribe, at least, and our algorithms will smile upon us. Have a great Monday. It's good to be back, and we will see you tomorrow.